All right, everybody. Hope you can hear me. Let's trigger this music over here. I see uh, Rachel over there in the waiting room. So this will be uploaded as a podcast later. Just want to put that little funny segment from Patrice O'Neill up there. So let's get things prepped. You got uh, Rachel's links down there in the show description. But yeah, uh, Rachel Fulton Brown is a uh, Christian American, a professor of medieval his a Euro- medieval European history, a fiddler, a fencer, a blogger, and a wife training in vir- virtue to be wielded by God. Met her over at BasedCon. Really awesome lady. Very smart. Was on a couple panels and stuff like that. So uh, check this out. Uh, this interview being uploaded uh, later. Things like that. She got a YouTube channel. She got a Twitter. Got her links below. But yeah, let's get her on in the room. Uh, hello. Hello. Hi, Rachel Fulton Brown. How's it going? Um, I I hear their internet moments this morning. We, I don't we're know. Have an... Yeah, I don't know if it, I'm <laughs> no. under attack by some sort of federal government or something like that, but it seems to have been stabilized. Demons, like, demons. Yeah, it's going like to be demons. That. Yeah, thank you so much for coming <laughs> on. I hope it goes okay. I mean, I uh, you know, if it drops or something like that, we might have to, you know, pull a couple cables or something like that. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, I'm really happy to have you on. It was awesome meeting you in the flesh at, at BaseCon, and we're going to talk for a while about your history, about all kinds of things. So um, I figured what we do at first is, you know, uh, I know a little bit of your background from different videos and things like that, but usually when I have someone on for the first time is we just get your story. So how do you, you know, the main question, I mean, maybe we can lead up to this is how is someone like you still in academia? <laughs> like I, that's the thing I'm, I, that I'm really wondering about is, you know, your, your, I don't know if you call yourself right wing, but like a, a Christian with good values it seems like it doesn't have much of a place left in, uh, in <laughs> academia anymore. So that's pretty impressive. But what's your story? How did you come to be doing the work that you're doing? Uh, I don't know why I'm still in academia. I mean, I, I think patience mm. is is important. Um, I I don't describe myself with wings anymore. I'm you know we 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 on the mosaic arc, which is my my own live stream which we'll have to have you on um think of ourselves in terms of the dove that moses uh, moses um, that noah sends out from the ark there's also the mosaic ark there's also christ the Mary's ark but um you know i i i think i was surprised to find myself on sides in in academia because that had never been my my sense of why I was in the scholarship. Um, I'm I, I, Christian, definitely. And I think the the way the sides are playing out is very interesting um, as a Christian, sort of realizing there, there are certain arguments that are very difficult to make within academia. But I was always, to, to a certain extent, conscious of those. I mean, the, the argument from faith is a challenge within the secular academy. Um, but on the other hand, you know that that's the augustinian insight augustine in the city of god recognizes that we as christians are in the world but not of the world so i i mean i can certainly go on in different directions and say you know where i think the hist- where academia has come from where we are now as as institutions where i am personally but but there there are a lot of different threads here so you need to pick one sure yeah what are the different <laughs> arguments yeah what what are the different ar- like the argument from faith like what are you know cuz you know i don't you know I, my audience is not that div- diverse i guess but i mean i'm speaking sometimes to what do you call like normies sometimes i'm speaking to dissident right wingers and stuff like that i call myself a right winger because it's it's useful i mean i certainly you know i hear the 
two wings of the same bird argument and how labels fall short at a, at a certain point. I mean, it says you're right. a Christian on your Twitter profile, but even that, you know, some people, all kinds of people call themselves Christians and are not. So I recognize what labels are and they aren't. I call myself right wing because, but I reject conservatism. And I, I think that the right wing is about, is about morals and order and the left wing is not. So in a way I consider myself more of a dissident or a reactionary more than a right winger, but it's, it's helpful to people that, you know, that you don't, if you have an elevator pitch or less than five minutes, I can't exact, not many people know what a reactionary or a, a dissident really even is. So I use that label, but reject a lot of the, a lot of the things that you would associate with the right, you know, and so I think these people are basically just liberals, but what do you think? Um, <laughs> I think, well, like, this, Ed, see, you've described the problem, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, so that I, I mean, I'm Christian and I yep. say, I think that one has been my base identity all along. And, and we can talk about what I, I mean by that. Yeah. When I, when I, I became, when people became politically aware of me, um, I was describing myself as an int, which if you know um, the Lord of the Rings yep. well, you'll realize that Treebeard, when, when Mary and Pippin meet Treebeard, they say, whose side are you on? And I'm like, and, and Treebeard, I mean, he's lovely because he believes in stories. He, you know, mm. he has this, the, a name is a really long, the Inton's names are very long because it, it, they include your whole story. And I'm like, that for one, right? It's like, if, if you want to know who I am, I'm going to need to tell you a long story. And, you know, I'll start with Christian and then we'll have to figure out what that means. Um, but what, what Treebeard tells Marion and, and Pippin is, well, I'm not sure whether I'm on anybody's side because I'm not sure anyone who's on mine. And that that's not a libertarian position of like there are no sides. It's yes. I I need to, I, I I'm, I'm about story. I'm about and that's why I'm a historian, um, you know, professor of medieval European history, and I am about trying to understand ourselves through story, which is also what I mean when I say I'm Christian because I I'm a, I believe in the incarnation as an, as God's entry into history. And therefore, we understand ourselves in time through the stories that we're living out. And, and that's why, I mean, I ultimately end up not on the one, one side, political side or the other, because you realize in the world, those are always going to be of the world and therefore making you make choices that, you know, may or may not be with Christ. Mm. Yeah. Good. Do you, do you think that uh, that the biblical story, the, the story of Christ, do you think that's the only the only, I don't know how to phrase, but the only story that is truly from God. I mean, I heard you give this talk about, you know, that, you know, Tolkien and, and other people, they were writing Christian stories, but do you think that the Jesus story is the only one that's true, that's truly from God? Yes. Hmm. Face. <laughs> Me too. I do no, too. That's yeah. I say, and that's, I, I realized, so I've, I've been on a, on a, I can tell you a little bit about my journey in academia. Yeah. So I, I started as an undergraduate at Rice University in Houston, and I had meant to be a mathematics and physics major. If, if you li if you watch our Mosaic Arc live stream, there's one where I have to admit that I like failed physics lab because <laughs> I, I, I couldn't figure out how to do the circuits in the practicum. It was like, I thought I was great on the theory. I couldn't like actually plug stuff in, um, which became topical in our live stream. Cause I got, I, I, I was trying to do this fancy thing using my web, my iPhone as a webcam and, Oh, this is cool. And I've got my audio all fixed and everything. I used the wrong power adapter on my laptop and the laptop died. And I'm like, that 
that's me. Right? <laughs> yeah. That, okay. yeah. that, that I, you know, I, I have a moderate degree of technical understanding, but then I make dumb mistakes. Mm. Um, and with that, I, I, I thought I was going to be in mathematics. Again, I was great at doing proofs. And I think this was also, to- it became topical to my study as a historian that as a historian, I do have, I think, better mathematical abilities than other colleagues, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, my, my, my proof is that the way we admit graduate students in history, that we usually worried, we used to worry about the GRE um, scores. Apparently, we were not supposed to anymore. Um, and we used to mainly worry about the verbal scores because, oh, as a, as a historian, you need to have good verbal skills because you are working in language. And we kind of wave our hands at the mathematical score that you get off the GRE. And I'm like, no, you actually need both because properly in medieval education, you have both the language arts and the mathematical arts. And these belong, these really belong together. So as a, as a mathematics student, I love doing proofs. I, I, I loved them in high school. I sort of do all the, did all the extra credit because one, I was also that kind of student. <laughs> but I enjoyed yeah. doing them, right? It's like I was getting fine grades and I just kept doing, it's like I was gonna do all the trig proofs, cool. all the calculus proofs. In, in college, I was still good at proofs, right? I like matrices and doing the you know, structures and stuff. And so I realized that this, this is actually a, a good hint to what kind of historian I, I am. I'm gonna be strong on chronology. I'm gonna be strong on keeping dates in order. I get very anxious when people start playing with timelines because I realize that that's really my ground. I, and, and, and I believe this in, in my, Christ, you know, my Christian truth, Anno Domini, right? God entered into history. We date by our Lord, the incarnation of our Lord. So um, that we need the mathematical structure and, and, and proof. But I was also taking classes as an undergraduate in New Testament, in, in the study of Jesus in history, in the reading of Paul's letters, in the, in the Gospels. And I, I realized that the long arc of my scholarly development has been from those that, that training in New Testament and mathematics to be concerned about the way we tell stories. And I can, th- th- that's gotten you now in a short version up to my present work, which I've, I'm, I'm starting to think about how do we think about telling the gospels as stories? Where, where are we in that? Um, but I do think the, the, the gospel makes a claim about truth in time that is the, the if, you know, in, West, in the Western tradition, you believe in logos, philosophical argument and you believe in god's entry into history and the logos by itself the philosophical greek tradition by itself is not sufficient it needs to be anchored in time as well and that's what the gospels the gospels really are and and then there's a you know the the a a third element to it if you're thinking in sort of trinitarian analogies that we also need to be the the witness to these truths in in our lives so the, the the work of the spirit is is that proclamation wow so just to kind of recap the, the three if you're thinking trinit as a trinit as a trinitarianly like, like like in a trinitarian way you're saying yeah, you, there you go your example <laughs> your example in your own life the logo says the greeks describe it which is basically just truth and there's the human there's the human form of god that comes to planet earth and enters into the story of jesus christ right 
Right. Wow. I, and and I'd say this, that's actually this is the best description I've ever given of the Trinity. Yeah, Woo. Um, <laughs> on air on my show. I love it. On air on your show. <laughs> yeah. This is this is so the live streaming. I I, I taught you and I talked to BaseCon about this a bit. That um, I, I have worked with with Dorothy Sayers understanding the Trinity for a long time. She has a a lovely book called The Mind of the Maker. Um, you, you may know Dorothy Sayers as the author of the Lord Peter Whimsey mystery novels. She wrote detective okay. novels, yep. um, but she also wrote, she wrote a very beautiful radio play. Um, the, the man who would be King. I think that's her title. Mm-hmm. I don't, why don't I remember the name of her, her radio play? It's, it, it's interesting because it's like the most effective narration of Jesus that oh. I've, I've ever come across it. And they performed it on the, the, BBC, I guess, on the English radio. Um, and she also translated Dante so and Song Roland and some others. So I, you know, she's my like model as a what 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 would I most want to be? Whatever she was, right? Mm-hmm. Which which was not necessarily an academic, although she had academic ties, but this the sort of active in making art and theorizing about it theologically, which is what she does in the mind of the maker. And, and she talks, she has this Trinitarian understanding of the, the Trinity as modeled by our own creative process. So we're made in the image and likeness of God. And we, we work in that, that mode um, with the idea is the father, um, the, the, the energy, the passion, the suffering, the creative, you know, the creative work is the son. And then the, the, you know, here we are in our live streaming, right? The, the I would say now in the media, right? In in our need to express ourselves, publish, speak, preach, you know, teach. All of that is the active activity of the spirit. And and I'd say, you know, obviously in in my own my own understanding, I did. I'm good at math to the extent that I understand that structure of proof. So I guess there's the 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 logos level, the father, the the the. Well, the logos is the sun, but the the idea, the the, the structure and appreciation of that, um, the need to tell the story in time and history it, through Christ, and then you know my my engagement in the media. I've been tr- trying out different media all along, right? It's like I teach, I write, I've got academic books. I'm working in this poetry now. I've been you know working and being on video, and and it's that is our expression of the spirit through our our communication. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, the media, the, in the different mediums, you know, like, so, right. that, that, and that I think that, you know, I'm a, I'm a professional musician, and that, like, I learned a lot about streaming, and the ne- I, you learn a lot about the next medium by mastering, or I don't know about if mastering is even possible, but getting good at a previous discipline, and I, I think that's, yeah, uh, yeah that, I've never heard someone talk about the, the father, son, spirit in that way, it, like, you know, it, so the Trinity kind of is in anything, do you think in anything good and worth your time that there's a Trinitarian way of thinking about it? Uh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the, what Sayers is trying to do is think about art in that, in those terms. And she mm-hmm. says, um, she has this lovely, you know, t- worrying about whether we talk about God through metaphor is nonsensical because everything is through metaphor. <laughs> I mean that we we understand or we understand God and everything else that we encounter through analogy with our human experience. So she's saying, what do we know of God from from the scriptures? And it's like, well, God created in the beginning. God created. So we are made in the image and likeness of a maker. Our art, our expression of that image and likeness, is in fact an expression of our our reflection of of God. So. 
I mean, the, 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 the diabolical problem is the distortion of that art for, you know, I mean, the, the blunt term is not in praise of God. Yeah. As long as we're directed, directed in our art towards the praise of our creator, we are in, you know, harmony with, with him. But in, when we, when we make our art to, you know, out of pride or out of greed or, or fall away, then it becomes the, the sort of anti-art that the, the anti, wow. the anti-expression, but the, all of all of it is still part of our Trinitarian, um, structure yeah. in our own, our own creation. Right. And so if you make it in that selfish way or the non-godly way, I, I understand exactly what you're saying there. Cause, um, you know, it's, when I make art, it's like if I if I talk about God all the time, am I am I safe? I mean, not if you're doing it from a selfish perspective, but you could also not talk about God. And if your your heart is it's you're trying to use it to glorify Him, regardless not regardless of subject matter, but you don't you can you can use God in a prideful way. You can also use non God in a godly way. So I definitely that hits a chord with me. Well, I mean, I certain yes, people can make God their own possession, right. and and that you know, the, there's a lot out there on the internet of debates and arguments yeah. and 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 possess. And what I see it as this this chronic possessiveness because one, it's it's an anxiety about being correct, um, you know, orthodoxy. You do want to have right belief, yep. but the you know, my sense of of theology and the right belief, it, it needs to come through this practical understanding that needs mm. and and you can see that I, I i'm in like in my storytelling i'm going to be giving you this uh, treebeard also was very musical i mean I, I appreciate that you come to this through your music and music is a mathematical art so you know it all comes in that the treebeard's language was sort of so, sing song and he speaks in poetry and he mm. speaks in structure and 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 beauty and that's why you know we're the, the rings of power is out there in people's minds right now <laughs> yeah. that the Tolkien story can contain the Trinity without ever mentioning it because he's, uh, he has this understanding of art as an expression of praise. Mm. And, and that's, that's definitely in his letters that he tells Christopher, you know, I say, I say the praises daily. I, he says the Benedicite, which is the praise of all the creatures, uh, the creatures praise of God, you know, blessed this creature, blessed that creature it, 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 in the Lord. Um, he sings um, Psalm 148, which is again, the creatures that the, what Tolkien tried to do in his own art was praise God. And if you're not, if, if what you're trying to do is make a, you know, your best selling, you know, uh, production and, and, and that's your like pride, of course it's going to go astray. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, at BasedCon, you gave this talk, uh, that's now on your channel and it's it's on my channel too you know it's it's like 50 minutes because long you so. you live streamed yeah, it for me right. i love doing that <laughs> that was great but why, why don't you give you know why don't you give some we, we covered earlier that you know the, the the biblical you know the biblical jesus story is in in your opinion well i think in fact the only story that's truly from god but what are some other examples of of god you know we, you talked about lord of the rings and and some other examples of uh, works that, you know, evoke God, if that's the right word. And how does one do that? And uh, yeah, how does one put that into their literature or art uh, without mentioning the name of Christ or, or being so explicit about it? It's hard. Um, I think it, it's, it's particularly hard in English because our English tradition is founded by Protestants. Mm. Um, and 
it, my, I mean, in the 16th century, I talked, I talked a little bit about this with Drake Alchemicus, which is the poem that we're working on. Um, some of the problem of English, the development of English is that it's, it's founded on a rejection of a lot of the tradition that I'm just, I'm describing now. Um, not, not, it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to bash Protestants. I don't, that's not, that's not where we're going to go with this, but to say, I find it difficult to figure out where it's still expressing this praise. Um, there is great English poetry, like John Donne's poetry. Um, Milton, you can see Milton really struggling with it. Um, and, you know, Milton writes in Paradise Lost about the fall of of the angels and the, the fall of man and is himself struggling with his own pride, I think, Milton famously right it's like he makes he makes lucifer sympathetic in the sense that you can get you see it you, you which i do think is a is an appropriate place um i feel like i stepped off on the wrong on the wrong foot there um yeah, that, I, that, it's hard that, to find yeah. no the thing is it's it's hard to find other art and i i have um a, a reading list on my blog which is called Dragon's Keep, which is sort of treasures of the Christian imagination that I was putting putting together for my poets and realized that most of what I would say works in the mode that I'm describing is medieval mm. and therefore not something most modern readers know how to approach terrifically easily, which is therefore you know, obviously my long-term project as a as a scholar to, you know, introduce you to some of this monastic literature. And that's, that's the real problem with the, the English tradition that we lost the monastic prayer practice. I mean, quite literally the monasteries were all closed and their properties taken and yeah. their books scattered. And yeah. without that praise tradition, without that singing the Psalms in praise of God as a regular sort of anchor for your day, it's hard to do. And just to go back to Tolkien was Catholic and Tolkien was saying, look, I sing these praises every day. I, that is my usual answer to say, how do we, how do you get there? You've got to be singing the Psalms regularly wow. or saying the Psalms regularly. You've got to be grounded in the praise first. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Are they song in Latin in the, in the medieval times? Yes. Although it's it, the, the, the claim that, oh, the church had a monopoly on education. It's like, well, the church cared about education. So the church in, in this, I mean, in the monastic tradition, particularly, if you needed people to be able to do these, this prayer practice, you had to teach them. You had to teach them Latin so that they could, they could say the Psalms correctly. Um, you know, one of the things I teach in my own uh, undergraduate courses are a course on the trivium on grammar rhetoric logic and then on the quadrivium which is um arithmetic geometry music astronomy these arts are the ones that the monks use to train themselves to be able to pray wow. you need you need good language and you need music and and timekeeping because you need to know when the feasts are and that that really we lost in the english tradition after the 16th century i think that's a fair way to say it wow Damn, yeah, that's mind blowing. Wow. Um, yeah. So, I, so, yeah. so, so, no, I mean, you know, I can worry about all this, the structure of the church. And I've been, I've got Protestants in the Church of England on my mind, obviously, this week because of the death of the Queen mm. and, and her, and her funeral and sort of what, what does, what does Queen Elizabeth II's reign mean as bookend to Queen Elizabeth I's reign? Yep. <laughs> and where does that come from? Yeah. So, but I'd say rather than let's, let's not get into the big institutional debate with your, <laughs> 
your audience, please know, I'm yeah. sorry. Um, understand, fine. understand the effect of closing all the monasteries. Let's mm. start there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, uh, I, I hate to put you on the spot or anything cause I, and cause it just makes me, do you sing these Psalms in, in Latin yourself and would you sing? Can you sing one? I don't mean like you don't have to, if you don't want to, but like if you had the ability, could you sing one right now? I mean, no. Okay. Um, and, and that's, <laughs> I do no, though. but I, I do. I, I, I tried to learn to sing. I got kicked out of choir when I was an eight, what? when I was nine. What yes. The? No. Okay. That will go. We'll go to that story in a second. Um, what I do is I think at, at one, it's embarrassing because I should be able to do them off the top of my head. I have been, um, over the last year, because I was actually inspired by one of my students who had read my book, Marrying the Art of Prayer. And he said, oh, look, I've been saying the hours. And I'm like, I really should. I, I wrote this book on how yeah. it changes you. And I'm like, OK, I'm going to do it. Um, I, 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 I say um, matins and lauds with the hours of the Virgin in the Roman use, which is the, the sort of it, it became the standard use after the Council of Trent because that was the one that was licensed for publication for, for Catholics. And I, I say them in Latin. And I, I would say I've, I it, we can go there to talk about the experience that I've had this past year just saying the hours every morning. It's wonderful. I, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, but with the late medieval laity, we don't we think it's hard to say whether they sang them. I think that I think personally, I think they mainly said them. Um, because learning the chant is actually another level of of training, mm. and the laity didn't necessarily have that. So no, I can't sing them. Mm. Um, but saying them in La I do recommend saying them in Latin as opposed to saying them in English because it's the Latin rhythms that are behind our English poetry. It's right. it's it's very interesting. It's like the more the people that learn to write English poetry had originally been trained in Latin, and so the the sort of rhythm of our iambic pentameter is the rhythm of stressed Latin as said in the, the liturgy. Wow. So there's, there's, fu there's functional reasons to, to do it as well. Okay. Um, wow. yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. I got to look at Latin again. I mean, I, uh, not again. I mean, I, I've looked at it, at a, you know, probably less than three hours in my entire life. But yeah, I understand. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's it's like again, like I spent years on it or whatever. But uh, that's that's pretty interesting stuff. I so I, my original question, you know, how five minutes ago or whatever was, what are some examples of godly works? And you said right, the, basically to look at the, the the key, the historical key to that is the the monasteries. The, the monastic history from medieval, but what are some right. what are some examples from that? You basically said in the modern uh, in the modern world that it's very hard because of English, and you gave some examples of what they they aren't or uh, or poets that struggled with it. But are there some some works from back then? Some and specifically, I guess fiction works is what I'm saying. Do you think Lord of the Rings is the one that gets the closest in the mod in the modern age? Oh, the Lord of the Rings definitely gets okay. the closest. Mm. I mean, even closer than Lewis, who is also very strong, because um, Lewis and Tolkien were both literature scholars and, yep. and studied that. Um, I mean, for the medieval period, what's interesting is we there's not as much in the mode that this, this is the other problem. People think of, well, what literature should I read? And you mainly think of novels. Yeah. Um, and novels are an 18th, 19th century development. So you know, the, the, the English in the 19th century is very secular. It's, it's of this world. It's, I mean, think about Middlemarch, right? Eliot, um, George Eliot's, um, long novel is, 
about the struggle with Christian faith, one of her characters is trying to write the key to all mythologies. Interestingly, she, um, Elliot herself, um, was the translator for Ludwig Feuerbach's Essence of Christianity, which is one of the great sort of, quote, atheist manifestos of the 19th century, because he shows philosophically how um, Christianity is it's itself the expression of our species consciousness. And so it's this abstraction of who we are as human beings and out there. If you're looking for English literature that's not affected by that development in the 19th century, it's hard. It, mm. It's it's simply hard. Wow. Uh, and, um, you know, I was thinking maybe Dumas, um, I was looking at like on the bookshelf this morning, the Count of Monte Cristo leapt out at me and I'm like, Count of Monte Cristo probably because Dumas does have enough Catholic background that it feels right. And, and Victor Hugo, um, Les Miserables is an interesting book. Very, very long. Yeah. <laughs> I recommend listening to it, which is what I did because it reads really well. Uh, and it's, it's quite exciting if you hear the, the audio version of it. Um, and you know, the, it's not Hunchback of Notre Dame. It's simply Notre Dame of Paris, but that's the story that Hunchback is based on. So, so those those are those are good examples if you're looking for novels now. Um, but again, it's it's a, it's it's a challenge because all of modernity has been at odds with Christianity in its in its ability to recognize the truth of the history that I'm. I'm, I'm saying it's like, how do we read the Gospels now? Well, what happened in the 19th century is people started reading the Gospels as if they were novels. And there's th something like Ernst Renan's Life of Jesus, which became very, very popular. It was originally published in French. It's, there's various translations. Um, he's trying to imagine Jesus as a character in a, in a, in a, in a story. Right? It's the novel. And um, again, over and over and over again in the 19th century, as, as the novel is writing itself, you know, we're, we're learning, you know, what kinds of stories we recognize as realistic. Now, they're also philosophically struggling with what the theological argument could be. Mm. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's a hard question to answer because of the, the place of literature yeah. in, in modernity. Wow. Wow, so you got to go way back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, sounds good. I mean, that, that I totally agree with the statement that you know, almost the definition of modernity is the rejection of Christianity or the rejection of, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's definitely, it's kind of a, a cop out to say it's the rejection of tradition. Cause that's just the way that time works. You know, anything modern is going to be not that traditional um, cause tradition means to kind of go back. Um, but yeah, definitely. I agree with that. That's what led me to search. It's what led me to become a Christian. Uh, because I, I, I just saw the whole thing as, and I, you know, to be honest, this is the most I've even talked about fiction in probably five years. Because I've been all nonfiction. <laughs> well, good. Yeah, I've been all, all nonfiction for for about yeah about five or six years, and I, I've been, you know, based con kind of is drawing me back to it. I just want to make sure I find good stuff, not a bunch of trash. Uh, so, you know, er earlier. Oh, yeah, well, but... some of I mean, if, if that's what you're looking for, the authors at BaseCon are mm -hmm. a good place to start. I, oh. I've been. Re so our host was Robert Crozy. If I say, it, say, say his name, I, I'm going to. Well, I'm, having, I, him, I'm uh, having him on on Wednesday, so I need to know how to say his oh, name. Yeah, OK, so, OK. Yeah. So I, I, I picked up his the first of his first novels. I, he did a fir his first series, the Mercury series, and I'm in book four now. That's how fast I was. I, you know, I was like, woo, these are fun. Um, he has a good grasp on angels. Mm. It just, it's a, is a nice thought. And then um, John C. Wright, who 
was supposed to speak remotely, but what he, he, he was there last year again, remotely. So I haven't met him, but, um, his, um, Swan Knight saga, uh, the green Knight, And then there's a second one, the, Oh, I forgot what the sidekick, I, I forgot what the second one is, is called. Um, his green Knight story is really, really good. The Swan Knight story. Um, so this is, this is another place to say that, if you think about it as where where do we explore the mythological effectively it's it is in science science fiction and fantasy now it, it, that's that's the it's interesting it's sort of it's not in novels the novel itself is of the world mm. right so modern fiction tends to be very much of the world and doesn't have a place for the transcendent or the mythological science fiction and fantasy definitely does it's what it is right um and huh. so there's there's a lot more potential in those genres and you know tolkien realized that i think it's it's not so much that he i mean he invented fantasy but it because there's fantasy before tolkien but he and lewis both recognized that the kinds of stories they wanted to write had to be told in this science fiction mode really wow yeah this stuff's blowing my mind <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> yeah, this is not really like i used to talking about it this is great i love it it's very it's just fascinating because i knew you know one quick question i mean i don't like talking you know i'm here to get your story and to get your thoughts and stuff like that and i i so i, I when i'm interviewing people i try not to like talk about other creators all that much but one one person this reminds me of without going the full way is jordan peterson i was a big jordan peterson guy but he never went all the way to just saying that it's christ and christ is the truth i mean that's without that you don't really have truth but um what you know people like that i don't know if you, you're aware of the phrase like intellectual dark web uh you know that that camp of people that sam harris jordan peterson this loose affiliation of whoever um what do you think i mean i don't know it's kind of an obvious question but why do you think why do you think christ is a necessary you know, part of it, I obviously think that I'm kind of setting you up with a lobbying a, you, a, a, you know, a lo a, it's like a lob here, but like, what do you think? Why do you think <laughs> yeah, it's like, cause like, we both are Christians. So we, we think that Christ is the truth, but what, where do you think guys like Jordan? Cause I've read both of his books and he talks about this, the logos uh, of, of history and the story that that's in all of our minds and archetypes and things like that. But what do you think people like that miss other than the obvious? <laughs> Well, the the obvious is that they miss reality. Mm. Um, I think I think I, I read I read Professor Peterson's books. The, I haven't read the third one, the more recent one, but right. the the maps of meaning and the yep. twelve rules. Yeah, and, that's the two I read. Um, yeah. yeah, and I, I was very so. This is the sort of meta answer here is that I was very interested in psychology, um, and I listened to. Peterson's lectures in psychology and could put those in the context of um, some other classes that I sat in on some years ago, 20 years ago, almost. Wow. <laughs> um, when I, when I was starting to work on the Mary in the Art of Prayer book. And at that point, this was the early aughts. Um, however old you are, you were young then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And at, at that point there was a, the the sort of field of evolutionary psychology was kind of on the rise. I was I was at least aware of it, and there was a number of of the people in that community talking about like psychological explanations for religion. Um, and I, I put Peterson to a certain extent in that camp, although he's he's also as a clinician more interested in like individual psychology. The the the, the evolutionary psychologist people were more 
um, thinking about group dynamics and, and, and that kind of problem. And um, so I sat in on a bunch of classes in psychology back, back in the early aughts and recognized that psychology is itself as a discipline has the same problem that modern literature does. It's yep. in, in that it, it's modern, and uh, you know the the field itself in, in American psychology goes back to you know founds itself with William James, who was an American. It's in Har- They're all in Boston, right? Um, I think he was in Boston. I can't remember, but um, pragmatist, and he he his his found one of his founding books is the Varieties of Religious Experience. It was it you know the pragmatic psychological studies. Um, they're all trying to be, I mean, it's all trying to find worldly explanations for stuff, I mean, not transcendent, completely this worldly mechanistic understandings. James is very interesting. He has some very interesting meditations on the power of attention and things like that. I remember reading his, his lectures in psychology for these classes and saying, okay, so they have, they have kind of insights into um, structure and experience that feel right i mean could, because they're thinking about practice um but that's it right there's it's it's all it, it it's all completely say on this plane i'm not the, the language starts break down because you're talking about heaven and earth you're talking about secular secular and transcendent you're talking about earthly and heavenly it's like that in itself you're already within a christian structure because you're acknowledging that there is something outside wow. of our, our our earthly mundane secular existence that there is a vertical to it um but you know academia to go back to your original question how am i still in academia i don't know because they don't when i start talking the the vertical they don't understand what i'm talking about and they get they get upset because they say you're making stuff up and i'm like well i can actually give you proofs for why this works intellectually but you're not going to see it unless you do this thing that I'm suggesting, which is take the, the step of faith. Mm. And I, I, I did this a little bit in my, my Mary in the Art of Prayer book. At the opening, I, I talk about a, a meditation that C.S. Lewis gave. His, it, it's very useful as a metaphor that he's in a tool shed and he sees this beam of light coming in the crack through the over the, the door and it's very dark. So he just sees this beam of light with all the dust motes and stuff floating in and such. And he says, as long as I was outside the beam, I could talk about the beam. But then I stepped in it and I couldn't see the beam anymore, but I could see along it to the sun. You know, Lewis was very interested in, in astronomy, which is what the, the deep story behind his, his novels is. It's both the space trilogy and the Narnia books are all about planets. Um, And, you know, sort of saying that, which are you going to use? Are you going to look at the beam and be a psychologist or a sociologist or a political scientist? Or are you going to step in it and understand the experience that people have? And I have always been very interested in that experience. So, you know, right. it's like, what, what kind of trouble do I get myself in? Oh, I'm going to step into the beam and I'm going to, you know, learn to play fiddle. I'm going to learn defense. I'm going to be in my life in, in a live stream, right? I'm literally looking, you know, into the beam right now, right? To, to, to talk to you with my lights and stuff. Right. And, um, you, we are constantly in our own experience, 
um, inside one beam and looking at another. Right? Lewis also points this out, that even when you're within the beam of psychology, you're only able to see certain things. If you step out of that beam, then you're looking at it maybe with this understanding of faith, which I would say, okay, you psychologists think you're talking about the soul all the time, but you don't actually believe in it. Wow. <laughs> I like the way um, you think. Like this is this is really good stuff. I mean, this is just awesome stuff right here. Uh, cool. I mean, yeah, I'm a Protestant. I don't know. I I might have to. I don't know. I'll I'll uh, take a look. Well, at, I uh, invite you into yeah. the beam of saying the Psalms. Yeah. Just do that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I love the Bible. I read the Scripture every day. So I I it's actually the interesting that you know we're bringing it up that the um that probably the book I'm the the least well read on is probably the Psalms. Um, so I will, I will give that a fair shake for sure. Um, yeah, that's yeah. Mind, mind is being blown. This is great. Um, Good. You know, just one last question about the academia, academia thing. So, you know, unauthorized.tv has been a thing for about two years, two or three years. And I think you were one of yeah. the early people on there. And one of the, you know, the way you think and your demeanor and your arguments, you know, I know that those things that are those are things that can get you cast out from uh, from academia. But one of the big things that I've noticed is is who people can be affiliated with. And I mean, mm. you know, unauthorized.tv is Vox Day's site. You know, so and that guy, you know, type his name into Google, and you'll you see just like you know he's been called everything in the book. So have you ever gotten any blowback from who you're associated with rather than just what you're saying? Well, Milo, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that was the the, the um, well, it was so I mean, for your audience, if they don't know who I am, that I, my 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 story, my online story, one begins that I started a blog back in 2008 called Fencing Bear at Prayer. And that it fits in this this psychological story that I've been telling, because I was trying to write this book on prayer. I was also learning defense. I was realizing that in my fencing practice, which I had started because monastic, you know, the, the monks singing the Psalms, the Psalms are battle, battle songs. You really should read them. <laughs> um, and they have the monks in their, in their monasteries and nuns too, saw themselves as warriors against the demons. Literally, that's the origins of monasticism in Christianity is the desert fathers back down in Egypt, going out into the desert to fight demons by saying the Psalms. And so they have a lot of military metaphors in their own self-understanding. And that's how I ended up fencing. And then I end up needing to write about this in my blog as Fencing Bear at Prayer to um, make sense of all of these, these lessons. Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I've got you so thoughtful. I can't even hear you. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> that's all right. Okay. So, huh. so I, I was, I know I was like, t did he freeze? Am I still talking? I'm blowing your, blowing your mind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm fencing bear at prayer on my blog because I was wanting to, Again, all of this practical stuff, right? I'd done the psychology classes. I wanted to be in the in the practice. I wanted to say the things that I was learning as a fencer, as an expression of my understanding of what I was also trying to understand about medieval prayer practice. And so I started blogging, and I blogged a lot about my fencing training for many years, about losing a lot. I lost a lot, and then I did okay, and then I did a lot better, and then you know, um, and then I quit, and then I did. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole like spiritual journey yeah. of embarrassment in, in the early parts of the blog. And then as I was deep in writing my book and I did I, I, that, 
the year 2015, there was only one post on the blog because that year I was finishing the manuscript of Mary and the Art of Prayer and I was like writing footnotes and stuff like that. But there was one day I was walking into campus. I'd, I think I'd actually also, I'd been reading the National Review a lot, which I, I say I don't read anymore because they, they went sideways on Trump. Good. Yeah, good. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, I've been reading them a lot for several years and I was about to go on their cruise in, to Alaska. That was fun. Um, and I, I just had this sense, I need to say something. I need to say something about the frustration that I feel about the way we've rejected all of this, you know, tradition and challenge and history in our academic conversation that I think is really valuable. And I also needed to say something about how I understand the benefits that I have as a woman in the Western tradition. It's like fundamental. Chivalry's real, right? Like g men have respected me my whole life. I don't know what you're talking about when you say, one says, you know, straight white men are the problem. I'm like, right. uh, no. <laughs> They're knights, right? They've, they've, they've always, you know, been very courteous and chivalrous of me in my scholarship and in my life and in my, you know, personal life. I don't, you know, I, I really don't know what you're talking about. And so I made this one little post that was a talking points, three cheers for white men, nice. <laughs> um, which uh, was literally like three points in, you know, if you're a woman in the West, you need to acknowledge that one chivalry is real. We do acknowledge it as a value and a, and a practice. Um, marriage, consensual marriage matters. It's, it's part of our sacramental tradition, but also part of our legal tradition. You say, I do, which is therefore, it's like the long version of why we end up in the arguments we do about what marriage is, is based because it's based on consent. So but that was originally as a way of, you know, supporting women against their own families who might force them into marriage. Wow. Yeah, it's medieval. Um, that's and when right it, that's when it originated. Is the, the like the vows of I do? Like, you know, it's 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 it it becomes a central part of the Christian tradition because of arguments in the 12th century about what constitutes marriage, Whoa. whether it's it's consent or it's sex. Wow, C consent Dang. or consummation. Yeah, wow. yeah. No, see, so I was just like, and to, and to me, these are these are like ordinary things that we know from medieval history, and so I was just like, look ladies pay attention as you're bashing men as you're bashing the west yeah. they're they they you know you're in these institutions because the men have actually and the third one was the right to vote right they've actually let you in to these quote male exclusive institutions so get a grip um and and so i i posted that nothing happened on my nothing happened i went on the cruise i keep writing footnotes until six months later in january 2016 some of my medievalist colleagues found that post and started in the feminist group on Facebook saying, oh, look, she's a white supremacist. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, I said white because I was talking about European men. And, you know, that was becoming the, the way that people were, you know, most outraged to consider European. And so I said white. And, you know, the, the, it, it snowballed into that. Milo was at that very same time starting his dangerous um faggot lecture tour on campus um and it, the, the sort of confluence of things was very interesting because i six months later I, I was like more aware of milo realized i needed to watch some of his videos to find out what everybody was upset about because that's what i do if someone's upset about something i go and look and then i learn <laughs> yeah. and and so I, I found started... you by the way like i like i, I was why on are the they upset of, yeah, i don't know <laughs> I, 
I don't see anything to get upset. I mean, but it was this is a 10-year journey of I just had a rule whenever someone was all butthurt, I would just I would just uh, check out their work and I would give them a minimum of five hours of my life. And that, that just snowballed to, you know, being canceled myself. But anyway, keep going. <laughs> Right, yeah. right. So I went, I looked at Milo's lectures and I wrote to him and he wrote back and then I started blogging about him. And, you know, that blew up over 2016, 2017 um, into, uh, you know, various petitions and and concerns on campus about me and so forth. And so there, there's a sort of, but that, that's literally now ancient history for most people is 27, 2016, 2017. And, um, you know, I became, I, I, Vox was also already friends with Milo in that time because they'd met each other over Gamergate. And I was not aware of Vox's blogging about Milo and support. I was aware of Milo. Uh, I was aware of Vox's books because Milo wrote a forward for um, SJW's Always Lie. Mm -hmm. And I, then I just, you know, when I was writing about Milo, I needed to read everything that Milo was associated with. So I looked that up. And then I found out, you know, in, in the long run that Vox had always been like, I, I admire Vox immensely because he will not play the internet drama in the way that we're expected to. It's like, oh, you know, whose side are you on? And I appreciated that you apologized before you asked me about other people, yeah. right? It's like the degree to which we are sucked into yeah. the high school level drama of, yeah. do you, do you, are you friends with so-and-so? Well, you can't be friends with her because she likes him, you know, and uh, the, the Vox... You know, he does have strong opinions, but he's also not driven by that drama in his in his uh, either association with people or his his support of people. Yep. He's simply interested in the arguments yep. and and interested in the mechanisms. He's very interested. In, I was watching his live stream last night it was about memes. Right. And he was showing some old memes and saying, what's the difference between rhetoric and dialectic and stuff? So. You know, I, I the ones I'm associated with on unauthorized. You can say, sure, some of them I really like. I, I raise your fist is fun. I like his his um, rants a lot. They're <laughs> ranty, <laughs> and he likes Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So you know, yay turtles. Um, I, the, the others of them, I'm I'm less I'm either less interested in, or I'm you know, maybe not, you know, exactly in 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 sympathy with, but. The, the point of unauthorized is to have intellect, you know, strong intellectual conversation mm. um, and to, and to, to, well, Owen is his own thing on, on, on the streams as well, because I think his, he's a comedian, which has a different, he's a rhetoric, he's the rhetoric, right? And we've got Stefan Molyneux, who's doing more dialectic and right and me, whatever I'm doing, mythology and story, right? Um, that Vox, to his credit, can, bring us all together on one platform, even though we are on, we are really not the same in varieties of ways. Wow. Very yeah. cool. So do you, you're in right, still regular contact with Milo? Oh yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Good. Um, I, so I was, he was in I, the, um, well, I saw him in, in DC recently because I was there for, um, a committee meeting that I was, was on. Um, but that he was, I also saw him in Detroit where he was confirmed. Yeah. I heard about formally. that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And that, oh, nice. that was really lovely. That was a beautiful day. It was yeah. very, very nice. Very cool. I'm glad you still, I'm glad you still got your job. That's awesome. I, I, I hope it uh, lasts, lasts for a while. All right. Well, so I, you know, the, there are other ways in which I think it's university of Chicago has stood out all along as at least one of the top Ivy leagues. I, I, whatever we are, the top 20 schools 
um, that has been robust in its its support for academic freedom. Um, we've been having to have some dis, you know disagreements, and there you know there's a little bit of me online disagreeing with them last year over the mandates. Um, you know, I carry on with what my dean, uh, the dean of our college, John Boyer, told me back when I started writing about Milo in 2016, 2017. And I actually, this is actually, if, if you're in academia, don't, don't, don't catch your, your administrators totally off guard with your positions, like kind of tell them, I think. Mm. I mean, it certainly worked for me. As I was writing about Milo, I was at a party for John Boyer's birthday and Bob Zimmer, who was our president, was there. And this was like October 2016. And I'm like, um, I guess I need to tell you what I'm doing. <laughs> and so, you know, when things become very public, they need to have some knowledge of, yeah. of you know, you as a, a speaker. But, you know, the University of Chicago's position is the institution doesn't take positions the faculty are perfectly able to because the institution is not standing for particular political positions. Now, that also has to be regularly supported and contested. And we do have a little group at Chicago called You Chicago Free. If you look at my academic homepage, there's a link to our little website where we're saying, you know, we we as faculty still have to hold the university to its own standards because not all of our colleagues agree with us yeah. <laughs> about holding the university to these standards. And it's an on, you do not get to like sit back and, you know, a, a lot of my colleagues will want to say, oh, I just want to do my scholarship. And I'm like, you don't get to. Yeah. Because we still have to argue for what academia is meant to be. Mm. And as John Boyer told me, he's been the dean of our college forever. He's he's going to retire soon, and that's going to like be as big as the queen dying. Right? It's like, what do you do? And the person who's been that that it figure all along is is no longer the figure. Um, he said to me in January 2017, "I'm like John. I'm doing this. I'm you know I'm out there." And he's like, "Well, if the faculty don't stand up for academic freedom, it dies." Yep. And I'm like, "Well, okay. Where's my armor?" Um, and Good. But it's it's taken it you know it does take armor because obviously not all my colleagues on campus agree with me, yeah. and you don't get you don't get to stand up and um, not be in the fight if you actually you know stand up and be in the fight. But I say as Christians, what are we going to do? You don't you don't get to expect the devil to give up. Wow, <laughs> he's, he's not going to. Yeah. He has nothing to nothing. There's no you know, fallback Satan, plan for the devil. I mean, that's it. There's no fallback yeah. plan for the devil. Yeah. And there is no way that in this life, in this world. So as Vox, you know, beautifully says, the ride never ends. Right? Gamergate, you guys knew it. You don't get to quit. You level up and you yeah. go back out. And the game, the game changes, the levels of changes. Like the level, the whatever we were fighting back in 2016, 2017, it's not that anymore. Mm. We've been through several new levels in the last of the last five years. I mean, gosh, name the name the game we were in, right? You know, for there was well, let's see. Um, as I was, I I have this little quiz that I play on my Telegram sometimes. It's like choose wisely: race war, totalitarianism, chaos, or Christ. <laughs> and race war is the binary that we're flip, you know, thrown into. Totalitarianism. Oh well, we got that one with um, the health you know, ministers, 
uh, chaos, I think, is where we are right now because we, we, there's really not a clear feeling of which which level anybody's in. I, you know, it's like Christ is the only choice. Christ is the answer that you stand against all of these um, challenges, or you're in one of those. Mm. Whoa. Another mind-blowing moment, uh, a lot of digest to digest here. I mean, we don't have that much time left. I mean, one thing I wanted to get into, and I'm, I would love to have you back on, because I have a bunch of stuff in my notes over here that, I, that got brought up in our panels together that I mm. think we might save some of it for next time. You know, you, I will just to give people and you a little preview of it. You kind of triggered me a little bit by saying that nationalism is a spell. We're not going to talk about that today, but what we are going to talk about is, uh, is what a spell is. Um, Ooh, okay. I'm, I can do yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, <laughs> I, it might take you know another fifteen minutes or something like that. But you know, and I'm kind of saying it tongue in cheek. I mean, I am a nationalist, and I'd love to talk about what what that is in general, what that is to me, what that is to you. But that's that's a longer discussion. But yeah, what's a spell? I mean, I, I'm assuming you're 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 kind of saying uh, you know a uh, socio cultural spell that people tell, like a a truth that people tell about a story they tell them about themselves and society but what is a spell and what are some of the common ones that are uh told and does it and does it mean necessarily false uh what, what is that whole thing thank you for asking me that yeah. so I'm, I'm actually doing a course this coming quarter on angels and demons and i'm i'm thinking so i'm thinking a lot of it. angel angels and demons are the the next level that we need to consider about the powers that we're we're dealing with um, spells are, I mean, spells are lies. Mm. Um, they, they work, um, hypnotically, uh, that I, so you asked me about professor Peterson and interestingly, I was just watching him in an interview that he did with Pierce Morgan on sky for Australia. I, I thought Morgan was British. I'm confused about what he's doing down there, but anyway, <laughs> it, it was so for sky Australia yeah. and, um, Peterson was talking about fear and um, they were talking about Putin in the Ukraine and and, um, you know, sort of where things are with that particular event. Um, and Peterson was talking about the way totalitarianism works and its fear and stuff like that. And I'm like, OK, that's all true, I think. Um, but then what I thought was Peterson himself was casting a spell as he was doing that because he looked angry spells work at this deep emotional level that you become afraid to challenge them and 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 they're mainly minds i mean they're made they work on our minds i mean spells it's like in in the the the, the ancient magical tradition you you are summoning demons when you're doing magic and you know it, rob crozy's book if you ask him about mercury and and uh, Lucifer and, and those and those characters and stuff. He, he he he. Rob understands the different. You know, the angels and demons are the same kind of being. They are the same. They're literally only different because angels praise God and demons turn away. And and so there's a like as we were talking about with art, either you're directed towards praising God or you've turned away. That's what Tolkien does in in the Anilindale about the story of creation and Morgoth and Morgoth wants his own music. Melkor wants his own music and plays discord to the angels, the Aenor singing that's in harmony with Iluvatar's themes and so forth. The spells that you do with this demonic help, which I'm really wondering about, it's like at what level does this stuff, this cabal level 
stuff that all of our pilling pilling is trying to <laughs> to just peel away right it's like yeah. which level is sor the sorrow spell and stuff like that um that they the spells are conjurings and con and about control and you know, if you invoke a demon to help you in it you're wanting to control other people's wills so consider the things that you are so afraid and i'm still i there's still one I, there's things that i've recognized as spells that i still am too afraid to say out loud mm. which i find very interesting it's like you know obviously i was willing to say wait a minute that gender spell i don't buy it anymore three cheers for white men right and 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 the and the race spell that has been working on us it, it's i feel like it's starting to not work because people that's why all the disney stuff is so interesting right now it's like we're gonna you know change all the colors of all the characters and everybody's going that's nuts um tell some african stories wouldn't that be cool you know you're good at doing you know stories from different traditions let's have some anansi stories let's have you know neil gaiman does it really beautifully brings stories in from other other traditions fine we'd be happy with that right um so the race spell i think is is waning because people are your americans are sitting there going that's nonsense i you know i don't hate people because of what color they are that's ridiculous we do we do have different you know story traditions different cultures the you know black america has some very different family traditions and cultures from new england america i recognize black culture as very southern and and um thomas soul right it's like it's southern it fits with what i know from my own family history from being in you know arkansas texas um that okay so that that particular spell is me but there are other ones that you will be afraid to say i'm still afraid to, to mention because one I, I i can now recognize them when people panic right um I don't want to get your your YouTube zinged by using the words that we know. Yeah, the we're doing so well so far on the knocking nukes. So yeah. let's, let's say there's there's a particular potion that you're supposed to believe you have to take. Yeah, and if you don't take this potion, you will get illnesses that that you could be protected by if you took this particular potion. Reckon you can see a spell at work when you say something that suddenly people are too terrified to question. Yeah. Wow. And uh, they work. They work at story level for the most part, you know. Um, and they, but they're 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 set up. I, I this is my theory of spells right now. They're set up by, I mean, we, we say propaganda or something like that. Th this thing that you're given to fear, you must fear this. Mm -hmm. I mean, they tried this with Trump, right? It's like you've got you've got to be afraid of him because look what he said about you know women it isn't he horrible? And and a lot of us went, duh, that's not scary. Only Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> Only Rosie O'Donnell, right? You know, it's like they did nothing. We're not afraid, right? So they keep trying out new ones because, I mean, again, Satan has only one game: mm. be afraid. What what you said, you, I, this was really beautiful in in our panel when you said God. The first one is God lied to you. I'd forgotten that. I was really, I really appreciated that you said that. Yep. So God lied to you, and you can be like God's. Yeah. Same. It's the same. First it's, lie always 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 god lied to you you can be like gods and the the spells are set that way i think they're they're set with something to be afraid of some boogeyman to be frightened of and and i i'd say peterson is still within that particular spell because totalitarianism right you need to be frightened of a totalitarianism and it works because it you know it's solzhenitsyn and it's it's the yeah. fear all the way down and stuff like that and i'm like that's literally teaching you to be afraid of everybody else yep 
you're gonna oh yeah i'm just like i'm gonna find the evil hiding in every all these other human beings like no you're gonna find the sin hiding in everybody yes but you're also gonna find the you know god created soul in everybody else too so cut it out stop making people afraid mm. learn how to you know praise god yeah frankly wow. And that that's why, you know, the Psalms that we say the rosary or the Psalms, these are all praise songs, right? They're literally the demons hate praise. Yeah. They hate literally we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. That's all you have to say, and the demons run. Because that's the greeting that angel the angel Gabriel gave to her, saying, You're gonna be the son of you know, the mother of the Lord. And 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 so prayer actually works because it, it dispels that fear. It dispels the fear fog. And then you're able to go, oh, wait a minute. The sun is beautiful. The plants are amazing. They grow. My dog, who's under my chair right now <laughs> and scratching himself, is a miracle of God's gift. Like dogs, just, just dogs. Isn't it amazing that God gave us dogs? Mm, yeah. The one animal. Okay, cats. The one animal <laughs> I've cat too. The the but dog dogs partner with us. They work with us. It's like we are human because we have dogs mm. to herd our sheep with us and hunt with us and be our companions and you know be there with us. It's like and and we've tried taming all sorts of other animals on the planet and none of none of the other ones will do it in quite the way dogs will. It's it's like great. This is amazing. So you know, I the, the the way to break the spells is what Tolkien said: praise the Lord. Wow, wow! I think that's a fantastic place to leave it. I mean, I love leaving it with with <laughs> that that simple truth. You know, and and like I said, I'd love to have you back on again to talk about spells and nationalism and stuff. And one just to one of your points when you said that, you know, it's one of the reasons I'm not like the smartest guy in the world, but I'm extremely curious and I pride myself on my intellectual honesty. And when you said that. You know, I was saying triggered as like tongue in cheek because I got instantly curious because I just got into nationalism. I just got right. into it within the last year and a half. Maybe it's a little bit of a like the emotional thing because of January 6th, which everyone knows I, you know, I got the follow up from that. But I'd love to have you back on to talk about that. What you, I mean, you know, you mentioned there's spells that you are afraid to say. I'd love to have you say them for the first time on my show. I don't know if it's. I'm not going to. Okay. I, I need. No, no the need thing is, I, they're new. They're new that I recognize them mm. and I'm still doing my reading. So yeah. th these, these are I, you and my share. You and I share a method, right? It's like, oh, I'm curious now. Yeah. And that's why I was reading all that National Review, right? It's like, oh, wait, I need mm. to go. read. So I'll read obsessively for a long time but until I I mean, I realize part of this, the trigger of a spell is ignorance. Right? You suddenly realize someone's just said something you don't know how to answer. And so in my, I have on the blog, there's a post on how to be a happy warrior. And my first rule is, well, there's a lot of, there's a number of rules. One's respect your opponent. But huh. one of them is you have to know everything. I mean, we, we fight with knowledge. If you find yourself triggered by something, that's a clue. Mm, I need yeah. to go look at this. 100%. Yeah. I need, I, 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 I did not realize that was a sore point for me. I guess I have to go read and, and, you know, you can go, Oh golly, you have to buy more books, but you know, that, that, okay, fine. I, I'll go read about that. So I'm, I'm in the reading phase on, on some of these that I, I realize I need to find the way through the spell because otherwise I'll just trigger it in anybody I say it to. And I don't mean to do that because they won't hear me after that. 
like if, if, if some things if you say out loud, I've learned that over the last several years. If you don't if you don't give them a way in that doesn't trigger it, they'll never hear they'll they won't hear the thing you say. It, it's like all the doors shut, all their 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 door their window their ears shut. They can't hear you. They're too panicked. It's right. So so I I I mean I'm practicing that with Christianity a lot longer. So I know how to sort of come in at a different direction and okay think about it this way because if i come in straight in the front door with the the right through the spell it it just it just breaks um yeah it's very uh, they identify with it they they right it's so personal to them right they're very personal they've 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 like they've self-identified as a good person this is where i think peterson is actually off base Mm. people get in the spells because they want to be good they, 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 you know, they're, they're not they're not wanting to be servants of Satan. They think of themselves as good. And and that's part of what I, I actually Rob Rob's. Well, don't ask Rob about devils and angels and, and goodness um, that um, the, the, and this is just occurring to me right now that the, the strongest spells are the ones that give you a, 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 a easy path to goodness. Believe this and you're good. Yeah, I, I'd say Christianity. Christianity is not a spell because the first thing you have to recognize, indeed, is I'm a sinner. I'm bad. Yeah, yeah. And not I'm not just I'm bad. I'm a sinner, I'm right? A sinner. I've fallen away from God. I'm not directed towards God. I I I you know I'm trapped. I'm not trapped, but I'm I'm surrounded by all of these things that I do to keep myself safe. And and I mean the trust in God is 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 so hard because you want. I mean, who does right? Who who really says you know you know be like the lilies of the field and simply trust it's very very hard like saint francis did it <laughs> you know wow. threw off his clothes and went and lived as a beggar i mean that that it's like that level of absolutely trusting that god will take care of you is enormous um so we have that's the first thing that we have to do as, as christians is recognize you know we've fallen away from trust in in in, in god uh and and the spells are going to tell you you're good if you hate this Right, you're good if you if you do this, and 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 thinking about this now out loud, I can't stop because I'm on a roll. Um, is uh, they're usually easy, right? It's like here you'll be like gods. All you have to do is eat this apple. You'll be safe. All you have yeah. to do is take this one little. You'll be fine as long as you. And I think the hate this, do this little thing. Those are temptations because they exempt you from the 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 um well they exempt you from your recognition of yourself as a sinner but that's that we can do that later as a problem yeah yeah so i'd say i would love to talk to you about nationalism january 6th and to prepare for that check out my blog i did a number of posts on january 6th yeah and i think that will help you start seeing where i would be coming from from that particular question okay sounds good awesome yeah and and also also the mosaic arc episodes on vending machine people will will help you get started vending machine people okay yeah there are two there are two episodes that we there was meant to be one episode and they turned into two because in the first one i did my tech wrong and and the battery on my laptop failed Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, that, yeah, that's a little bit of tech. Yeah. So we ended up with two episodes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's well. I'll tell you, that's what's going on right now on YouTube. I mean, my my internet is drop is not dropping. It was fine the whole time. But what's gonna happen with this episode is we're gonna I'm gonna put all these videos together, put this as like a standalone interview on YouTube and have it as a podcast and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, so since it's going to be an audio podcast, the links are going to be lo- below in the scri- description, but tell people in, like, audio form how they can find you online and best place to support your work. Um, okay, so the the, the reason that I was at BasedCon, where Stephen and I met, was to talk about, this, this year to talk about Draco Alchemicus, which is a fantasy horror epic poem in the mode of the Fairy Queen and... Sir Francis Bacon, who didn't write Shakespeare. Um, <laughs> and um, to find that, go to dragoncommonroom.com. Um, there you'll also get links to the Mosaic Arc, which is my live stream with my co-host Kilts Calfan. Um, great you can name, look up, by the way. That's a great name. Kilts Calfan. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I mean, Kilts had to do her gender reveal. It's clear, excuse me, it's clear in the video that she's a woman. Yeah. Um, but in, online on Telegram, she she taken kilts as her her anon name, right? Everybody on Telegram, you can you can live as an anon for a long time, yep. and I, I don't I don't know whether she purposely set out to do it. It's like not be gendered one way or the other, but um, she liked kilts because it was like you know Celtic and Scottish and you know like as as a warrior of some sort. And the, the number of people on Telegram that believe for ages that she was a dude. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> was great. So one of our little shorts that we have on our U- mosaic arc is also being posted on my YouTube channel, Fencing Barrett Prayer, um, is Kilts does her gender reveal because it's like now, you know, it's like we're doing the video and everybody can see she's a woman. And, and they're like, wait a minute, you're a dude. <laughs> How did how did you manage to fool us all this time? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it sounds like like the winner of a of the Highland Games or something like that. <laughs> exactly. Know? Yeah. Uh, cool. yeah. Yeah. Uh, so dragoncommonroom.com and your uh your YouTube is fencing bear at at prayer and uh slap weasels in the chat right now. He's putting all your links in there right now and I will have Oh, thank you slap weasel. Yeah. over there. So yeah, Rachel, awesome having you on. That was a great chat. You know, we'll be in, we'll be in touch soon about our spells and nationalism. Let's see if you can get me off the nationalism train. That'll be a good goal for the No, next no, one. there's I just trying to teach you a different nationalism mm, spell than the one cool. that they used to frighten you with. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> keep that in mind that's awesome so thank you so much for coming on any closing thoughts for the people anything like that um i I, i'd say learn to learn to scan and do poetry and say the psalms okay wow well thank you so much for coming on i'll make sure to send you this podcast and stuff later and it was a great chat i'll talk to you next time okay thanks steven all right take care bye-bye Whoa, bro. Mind blown, bro. Bro. <laughs> Rachel Fulton Brown, everybody. That was fantastic. Love that chat. You know, that moment when she was like, are you even still here? I'm like, yeah, I'm just really listening, guys. She's a Christian American uh, professor of medieval European history, fiddler, fencer, blogger, and wife, training in virtue to be, to, to be wielded by God. It's fantastic. This will be an episode of Call Me Ignorant.